What's up, listeners of Beyond the Beats? Welcome to episode 21. My name is Samir Singal. I'm located here in New York City. And then we got Alec Prieto, my best friend, my guy over there, out there in San Francisco. And this is a podcast about EDM news and culture. So I hope you guys are ready. We have an excellent, excellent episode. But before we get into it, Alec, how you doing out there, man? What's going on? Oh, I'm doing well, man. I had some crazy travel this last week for a conference yeah. in Chicago, man. I don't know what's going on, but all of the airlines seem to be screwing up across the country with, with flights. I don't know if it's weather or something, but it took a long, long time to get back home. Dude, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you made it home safe. But I mean, how was Chicago, dude? Did you have a good time? Yeah, it was awesome. You know, I tell you what, I really, really like Chicago. Um, and it, it's just a great city. And I completely forgot to tell you this, Samir, actually. But I went with a, with a colleague after the, the conference was over the last night before we flew out. And we went mm-hmm. to like this really cool bar area where the DJs were spinning vinyl, like house music vinyl. And this like... Oh, dude, yeah, that's awesome. And like the suburbs of Chicago, I can't remember exactly where it was, but um, it's a shame because it was a Thursday night, so it wasn't as bumping as it usually is that's what the bartender said at least but it was really cool it was like just a regular bar and the djs were spinning vinyl on house music it was really cool nice yeah. dude that sounds awesome uh listeners if you guys know which uh bar alec is talking about if we have any listeners out in chicago i think we do definitely uh shoot us a dm man i, I mean tell <sighs> yeah. us about your experiences out there in out. uh in the chicago rave scene because i heard i heard they have a pretty good rave scene out there so well i mean that's that's where house music was born exactly dude exactly so love that you know the club that you went to is like kind of sticking to the roots of uh of djing and electronic music but dude let's uh let's get into it man i i'm i'm really excited for my on repeat song right now every week alec and i switch back and forth where we talk about a song that's been on repeat for us for this week that just passed alec I want to introduce you to Kraken Smack. They've been around for quite some time. Uh, it's, it's a trio, I believe, and uh, you know they produce electronic music together. But this song, Squeeze Me, was released in 2004, and I first heard this song on a Rhapsody commercial. Hmm. So, I mean, it's it's pretty dated, dude. But uh, I mean, I've that, that commercial came out like 2008, so it's it's just been a song that's been a part of my life for a really long time. Listeners, this is "Squeeze Me" by Crack and Smack. Take a listen. Dude, when you when you texted the song to me, I I was like, wow, I was not expecting this, but I'm so glad that this is your song. I can't believe it. I I really really enjoy this song. Dude, I'm really happy to hear that. Like, it's so it's so feel good. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's such a feel good song. It's very very groovy. I love it, man. And like I said, I've been listening to this song for a really really long time. And Crack and Smack are just they're so they're so talented. And you know, their their whole discography is really really good. So I mean, what, listeners, what, if you sorry, I mean, uh, what, but what genre would you classify this? As? I don't. I don't even know, dude. I I don't even know. Like, it's just good, danceable, groovy electronic yeah. music. I honestly don't know what subgenre to categorize this as. Yeah, know? I'm not sure either. It's it, it's an interesting one. Yeah, uh, but anyways, dude, let's uh, let's kind of recap what we have here this week on Beyond the Beats, episode 21. We're officially of legal drinking age here for the United States listeners. <laughs> 
Well, to be to be clear, we were always of age. Just this episode yes, is technically we were, but now our podcast officially is. It has turned twenty one episode wise. So yeah, we got some new music from the artists that we're watching. We got some new music from the likes of Slushy. We got Amelia Lenz. We got Amala remix. We got we got uh, High Low and Chocolate Puma. And then we're moving on to the news and culture section. We got DEFCON 1. So what up to all of our hardstyle ravers out there? We got IMS Ibiza Part 3. And Marshmello is coming out with a new album, which I'm actually very excited for. I'm not a huge Marshmello fan. And I think Alec isn't a big Marshmello fan either. But this album and the track list has already been released by Marshmello is actually very interesting. We got a special guest on the podcast. We got Azor who throws events here uh, in New York City as part of his company Lunar Lounge and he's going to talk to us a little bit about what it's like to throw your own events. So we're very excited to have him on the show. We're going to be talking about Ultra Europe again, Ultra Miami. Then of course, the classics of the show, the anti-plur moment, the what are we listening to? And Alec has informed me that one of the songs here in the what are we listening to section has a bit of controversy. So that'd be kind of cool to go through. And then of course, of course, the artists that we're watching. Alec, let's get to the top, man. New music from Scribe. Somebody that you had featured on the show. My man, I was really, really impressed with this. I mean, I, I already knew that he, the guy had a lot of talent and he was just going to be going places. But I, I don't know about you, man, but if you just listen to it, I mean, th- these two songs, it's just a great natural progression in the sound, right? He went definitely Absolutely. a little bit harder with these ones, but it still keeps that almost cinematic feel to it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's very grandiose, totally. but, in, but in a good sense. Right, like I absolutely love it. I mean, let's talk about Fear the Entity first. You know, the song out of the two songs that he had just released, which in my opinion go heavier than the other Mm -hmm. one, right? I mean, this song is heavy. It goes hard. Listeners, take a listen to Fear the Entity by Scribe. So a song with just absolute power behind it, dude. It's Signature Scribe, but he's just getting better and better, dude. Good for him. Yeah, I know, man. I mean, it's just like, I'm always hesitant to say that, like, you know, it's it's getting better and better just because all of the songs are fantastic. But this is just, this really is, I I really like how he's delving a little bit more into the, you know, harder bass, like dubstep type of sound. Totally agreed, dude. Totally agreed. And then finally, the second song that he had just released, two in one week. I mean, this man has been very, (laughs) very busy, right? But we got a song called Hollow Without You uh, featuring Sky. That's the vocalist on this song, Sky. Uh, And it's more of a melodic dubstep song. You know, it's not, I don't want to, I don't like to say things like this. It kind of reminded me of Seven Lines a little bit, but no, this is a signature scribe song. And guys, take a listen to Hollow Without You. I really, I really, really like this one, man, a lot. Like, I know, yeah. I, I mean, I think of anything saying it's like a seven-line song as a compliment, right? Like, I mean, that, that totally. might be what 
he's going for, but he puts really his own unique flair on it. Because because I tell you what, like, and this isn't a dig against Seven Lines, but you know if you if you look at kind of the chord progressions and how it, the the sound is overall, it's it's rather the same. Like it's a very logical progression with, with, with things in the song. But what Scribe is able to do is really switch it up a lot, right? Like, have you noticed that in all exactly. of his tracks? Like, he's really creative with it, you know, throwing in these different layers, these different sounds. It just keeps you on your feet, right? Like, you don't really know where the song's going to go. And I really enjoy that. But it, it doesn't come off as disjointed or not flowing. So he does a really good job of, of balancing those, you know, two pieces, which I think is really important, the creativity, but also making sure that the song flows, you know, from each aspect to each phrase to the other. So it's just, it's really, really well done song. I absolutely, I, I love this man. <laughs> it's, just, it's just awesome. I, I just want to see him on some festival stages. That's all. Totally, man. Totally. No, Scribe, keep it up, man. You're absolutely murdering it. And, uh, dude, we can't wait to see what you do next. And then another alum of the show, right, even though I like to call people alum. You know, I feel like, you know, I just love seeing, like, where they're going. But, I mean, Koos, dude, Koos and Keeled. It's another artist that we're big fans of here on the show. But Koos, again, coming over with a banging tune, dude, Fury 161. This song is furious dude fire <laughs> it, it totally is man it totally is i mean he's been doing a lot of new stuff recently hasn't he because has just been he's been producing yeah, he's been a lot busy. yeah he's been real busy real busy yeah and uh listeners we don't want you guys to miss out on this song so please take a listen to what coos and field have dropped Chelsea, man. God, they're really yeah. Oh, they're it's really coming. Yeah, it's yeah. They really are, bro. Let's move into some of the new music that's been released. I mean, we got Slushy with the track "Far Away." I like this song. I like Slushy. I do like Slushy. I like his sets. I think they're fun. I saw him at EDC Vegas 2017 with my boy Andres. I had an absolute blast. Alec, what did you think of "Far Away"? Nope. What do you mean? <laughs> I just mean no. What does that I did, mean? I did not like it. Nope. I can I, like I can't see you right now, but I feel like I can picture you just kind of like crossing your arms, sitting in your chair, Pretty much. pouting. That's like, exactly nope. what I'm doing. Just like <laughs> nope, just like right, move on. No, I mean, look, I, I appreciate it, but it's just uh, I'm not a fan of Slushy in terms of his singles and his songs. Um, I haven't. I think I might have caught a, a glimpse of him one time. I can't remember where, at some festival when he was playing, and he seems like a lot of fun to see live. So I'm not going to write him off from that regard. But I, yeah, that, that's probably I've heard from like everybody actually. But I'm just not a fan of the sound. Like you know, I, I appreciate it, and I can see you know he's got a lot of talent, and it's I'm not you know it's a, I think it's you know I think musically right, and I think just from pure sound design, I think it's, you know, a really good song, and I think just him in general is a very talented producer, but just the sound just yeah. isn't for me, man. I just can't get behind it. I really can't. So everyone else, like, you know, take a listen to it, let us know your thoughts, see if you agree with Samira or I, but, you know, either way, I, I really respect Slushy and, and the song, but just this song is just a, is a nope for me. <laughs> we should introduce, like, a, a nope on the rating scale, like a level zero where we, where we refuse to even talk about it. Um, <laughs> But I I like this song. I do like it. I it kind of I don't know why it gave me like a nostalgic feeling. Like I feel like I was kind of I don't know. Maybe I don't know if this game? makes sense. But I feel like I was listening to what's that to a video game perhaps. 
No, not even to a video game. I, I feel like I was listening to the Rugrats theme song. I don't know why. <laughs> it just kind of made me think of the Rugrats theme song. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I like this song, though. And uh, listeners, you can find the links to these to all the songs, all the articles, anything we talk about in the show, in our show notes. Uh, but, dude, this next song, I, I feel like I already know that you are a fan of this. High Low and Chocolate Puma with a song called Lasers X999. Totally, man. Whoa. I, yeah, this was this was a great release, and it's nice to see Chocolate Puma really starting to pro, you know get back in the studio and producing yeah. some songs because I feel like there was a while where they hadn't really done too too much. Um, yeah. I mean, I know they they've been you know it's funny. This is just a quick side note, but it seems like they're they're pretty good friends with Carter, you know, a guy that we've talked about. Like I just look if you go on their Instagram, they're constantly you know hanging out with each other and and things like that. So. Um, mm-hmm. It's good to see them kind of, I feel like the kind of the mentors right now for some of the up and coming house DJs. But um, this was just a fantastic song and Hilo, were, you know, another, you know, big fans of Hilo too, aren't we? I love, dude, I love Hilo and li- listeners, for those of you guys who don't know, this is Oliver Heldon's alias Hilo. It's a little bit more harder hitting. Yep. Tech House, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say, say harder tech hitting house. Tech House, yeah, I'd yeah, say but so. this this is a crazy, crazy track. I, I can just already see it destroying dance floors. So hopefully you guys get a chance to hear this song live. Uh, speaking of more kind of four to the floor, hurting dance floors, Amelia Lenz. We're gonna talk about some techno here on the show with her hypnotized EP. Alec, I mean, we're big fans of Amelia Lenz here. She it absolutely crushed it. Uh, with the, with this song hypnotized with the remix hypnotized have you have you oh yeah this, man? oh it's yeah nuts. man no I, yeah. I have this has been something i've been repeating you know it's kind of been on my repeat over the last uh, couple of days yeah really enjoy it i actually also really enjoy listening to it you know together like you would a traditional ep right just starting from start to finish just hypnotize i feel like does flow pretty well into access um yeah i really liked it but i'm not gonna lie man i actually kind of like the joy remix a bit more yeah so uh, dude i i think i would agree with you on this one i mean but i think hypnotize the original by amelia lens and the remix the joy remix i think they play two separate roles right mm. i mean i can see like the original hypnotize being played in like a little bit more lighter of a setting maybe a, a, a mix that isn't so dark and pounding while the joy remix and even the song access right the the other song that's on the cp i can see both of those tracks being played in like a dark gritty warehouse at like yeah. three in the morning totally yeah. totally so i think that's the vibe great you tracks. know i i 100 agree with you there man it was um i I'm just really impressed with with her in general i mean i know she's been killing it on you know, on the festival stages and stuff, but she's killing it in the studio too. Totally agree. She's been busy. We talked about her last week uh, on on the on the podcast with uh, IMS Ibiza Part Two, but she has been busy. So good for her, man. Here's another one, man. DJ Snake, right? He had the song called Enzo's featuring Sheck West, Offset, Twenty One Savage, and Gucci Mane. Mala came out with a remix. You know, what did you think of this? I, I really liked it, man. I don't know if you're quite as uh, gung ho on this song as I am, but I really, really enjoyed this remix. Um, I wasn't too big of a fan of the original, even though I tell you what, even though I'm not a rap fan, uh, really by all stretch of the imagination, I actually did kind of enjoy. I or, or rather, I appreciated uh, the the original, the rap song, just because you could hear DJ Snake's production influence, right? And so, like the I really liked the beat. And so I thought he did a really good job with that while keeping it to that, you know, hip hop um, vibe. However, when Marla came out with this remix, I was just, when I saw he announced it on Instagram, I, I believe is where I saw it. I was like, I was a bit mm-hmm. confused. I didn't know how this would go just because the original just, you know, if almost it would be more of a trap remix, right? That's what I thought 
it would right. suit it more. But Marla just, you know, I'll tell you what, the Masked Man knows what he's doing, came out with a banging <laughs> house song of this. So I really liked it. But what, what about you, man? I think you might differ for me on this one. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's all right, man. I'm not like, I'm not terribly excited about it. I, I don't know. I think compared to other Mala releases and remixes and originals, it's not really something that I feel like is all that attention grabbing, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like, yeah, you know, it's Mala and Mala's great and he's got a lot of really great originals, especially the one that he just did with Jackknife. It's fine. It's just a fine <laughs> remix. You know, that's it. it. For me, it's all right. All right, man. So. Yeah, no, I mean, we differed on two songs this, this show. It's uh, quite rare for us to yeah. differ. But again, yeah. listeners, you know, feel free on our social media, particularly on Instagram, we're active and we're trying to be a little bit more active on Twitter now. But, you know, let us know your thoughts on, on these uh, on these songs. Uh, particularly the G- the Mala remix because I'm interested to see if people agree with me or Samir. <laughs> and then finally, to cap off the new music section, Kashmir and oh god, we're gonna have an <laughs> issue with this one. Go ahead. This name here, Bearer B three R R O R. Is it B three B three R? I don't know, B- dude. Bearer. I'm just gonna say Bearer, like error, but with the B but at the, bearer, at the beginning. Yeah, maybe it might be Bearer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then featuring Luciana on the uh, on the vocals. So I actually I like I like Luciana. I've heard her on other tracks before. So I, I just listeners just know off the bat that I do enjoy the vocals that she comes out with. It's very rare for me to say that, as you guys probably know. And they came out with a track <laughs> called Lies. And uh, dude, I like this one. I really yeah. like this Cashmere song a lot. I I like it, but I I don't know, man. Like I I really do like it. In fact, I probably like the build up more than anything. If I'm honest, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the drill. I don't. I'm not a big fan of that sound. Like I get a bit bored with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I find it a bit boring. But having said that, I really do actually like this this release a lot, and I I agree with you, man. The vocals from Luciano just are really perfect, and Cashmere did a very nice job of integrating it with um with the song as a whole. So, but this is definitely a thumbs up for me. I do I do like this one. I'm about it. I've always really liked Cashmere a lot, um, and I love seeing him live. I I like this sound that he comes out with. I think he's a very talented person, and and the different shows and the concepts that he has with some of his shows sometimes I, I find very interesting. So. Shout out to Kashmir, man. This is this is a cool song, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing more from you, dude. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's get into it, dude. Lots happening here in the in the EDM world, man. In our news and culture section, so much, man. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this quickly before getting into the um, IMS Ibiza report, but DefCon One. So we're looking at all the was it Hardstyle you were saying? Because I don't really know too too much about this uh, this festival. Yeah, yeah, Hardstyle, Hard Dance. It's a festival pretty much dedicated fully to that sort of genre of music. I mean, listeners, it takes place in the Netherlands. You know, it's 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 in Europe and over there. That sort of music is definitely more popular than it is here in the U.S. But you know, we gave accolades to EDC Vegas for hosting a stage, yep. the Wasteland stage that's fully dedicated to Hardstyle at EDC. We gave accolades to them for doing that you know sticking true to some of the earliest roots in dance music but a full festival dedicated to hard style hard dance music i think that's dope too um i was watching the live stream for a little bit and it looks like a ton of fun it looks like everybody has a crazy amount of energy everybody's very very happy to be there and it's just cool to see that there are events dedicated to folks who are passionate about hard dance music so i I love it i think it's cool yeah i really I, i think it's really cool i'm not sure if it's something that i would attend um yeah you know but the production looks awesome it looks out this world actually just looking through dude the the stage design is very very sick this year yeah really cool yeah you guys should definitely check out uh, our show notes because we have a link to that festival their website you can see pictures of the stage and uh and the festival there uh on the website totally well dude we have to get into this now i mean this is i'm really glad that we're i I like how we're doing this 
just as a side note by you know yeah. with the IMS Ibiza report just kind of breaking it down because there's so much great stuff in this report you know I, I feel like if we just kind of glanced over it in one episode it wouldn't really uh, bring out all the great talking points but I really right. really enjoyed this section so listen there's this section the third part is about clubs and festivals and I'm not surprised by this, but it's just really nice to see the data. But uh, the first slide of the section talks about how more people than ever are attending live music, like concerts and festivals and stuff like that. So it's the highest year-over-year increase. It, it's it, This is just really cool, man. Like, I mean, you look at comparing from uh, 52% of the U.S. population said they attended a live music event. Like, you compare yeah. that to probably in the past. And, I mean, that's, that's a big jump. I can't imagine it would have been, you know... Um, too much so last time. I mean, just look at the music festival category here, like 18% in 2017 to 23% in 2018. Might yeah, not sound massive. like a big difference, but, you know, percentage-wise, that is a big difference, you know, when yeah. you're looking at um, the population study there. What, what, what else did you think? What else uh, stood out to you? But I thought that was a big one, like how music festivals are just gaining more in popularity. I think it's awesome. And, and one thing I, I want to point out, so shout out to my fellow ravers here on the slide here. Uh, it says fans of electronic music have a higher propensity to attend live music events. That's 74%. 74% of electronic music fans are more likely to go to uh, an electronic music show as compared to fans of other genres of music. Like, that just shows you, right? Just w- It's a very unique experience that you will find at an electronic music show as opposed to other types of concerts that are dedicated to different genres of music. And I think that electronic music and the fan base that it holds is very, very dedicated from A to Z. I'm talking from artists that are releasing music all the way to the end of actually going out to go and see the artists that they listen to on a regular basis live. Yeah, I, you know, man, like this is just awesome. I, I can totally see why fans of electronic music are going, right? I mean, it, it's just, totally. it's just, it is something to see live. You know, while we enjoy listening to it in general right like in the car or for a home you know i always bug my girlfriend because i'm constantly playing house music and stuff like that you know i feel so bad for her dude i feel like every single episode we've had these past couple of weeks we've been like i bother my girlfriend i bother my girlfriend you know i'm just saying yeah. i'm just saying that but i don't think she she secretly likes it yeah. she really enjoys yeah. it man like she actually likes we gotta music. get we gotta get her on the show at some point just so we can get her opinion yeah we do we absolutely have yeah. to um but but yeah man like it's just i feel like this type of music really is designed to be played you know loud and on big speakers nice open environment good acoustic environment and yeah i'm just not surprised at all and i'm really glad to see that people getting out and supporting these artists by seeing them live because that's that's a big thing too right like you've got to go see them live um there's a lot of artists there where they're not just making radio hits they're trying to you know cultivate a sound and an experience so this is really cool yeah this this is awesome and then if we just kind of move on and i I think this slide is what really really interested me especially living in new york here right but clubs we're, we're specifically talking about clubbing and the club scene ims uh the international music summit that takes place in ibiza is reporting that there was a, actually a decline in people who are attending nightclub venues and it's actually accelerating right so hmm. you know what they were noting is that from december 2013 through december 2017 every year they were seeing a one percent decrease in attendance of nightclubs and then between december 2017 and december 2018 they saw a 21 percent decrease huge yeah i you know to be honest i'm i actually prefer nightclubs 
I'm not going to lie. Whoa, interesting. I do. Interesting. And wait, real quick before we, we continue to talk about this a little bit, I also just want to point out that they are talking about Great Britain here in, in this chart. Oh, so gosh, yeah, yeah. We so we have to really... Yeah. yeah, we really do. That's interesting. I wonder why they limited that, that statistic to it. That's, that's weird. I think it also just kind of goes and expands beyond just Great Britain, right? I mean, they also pointed out that several high-profile electronic music clubs have closed, and, they incl- and they're including Output in New oh, York no. also closed as well. Um, I think that venue. was partially, yeah, great, great venue, dude. We've been there multiple times. But I think it's partially due to the fact that, like, you know, I think the the club owner had sold it in order for it to be redeveloped into housing in that area, but also because of the fact that like clubs are just not as well attended as you know bigger open air open concert venues. You yeah, know? I guess that's why it seems like Avant Garden is doing pretty well. Yeah, dude, it's been. I mean, the attendance is so high. Every single event that I've been to over there has been pretty packed. And pictures that I'm seeing, it looks like it's been pretty packed out every single time they throw an event there. Yeah, they they do a really good job with it, man. Like, uh, maybe it's because it's quite open air. If you really think about it, yeah. Like, I mean, it's not outside. Well, they do have the Mirage is outside, right? I've yet to to been to yes. Brooklyn Mirage. Yeah. How would you describe Avant Garden? I feel like we should describe it quickly for people who aren't yes, in the definitely. northeast. Yes, listeners. So like uh, Avant Garden is a is a pretty massive concert and event space it's in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which is part of the New York City metropolitan area, and they have three indoor rooms, right? A smaller, medium, and larger one, and then they have a massive in the middle of it. They have a massive open air venue that they open during the summertime, and that's called the Brooklyn Mirage, but it's all part of the same kind of Avant Gardner kind of neighborhood of of event spaces. But but it's it's become like one of the most the premier event spaces for the rave scene or the electronic music scene here in New York. It's a it's a really nice venue. But Alec, I'm interested to hear from you, man. Why do you prefer clubs over more open air event spaces or concert venues? It's a, it's the vibe, right? Like it really is. I think it's just the vibe, and I think for a lot of sounds, having it in you know a warehouse, right, or in a nightclub with a really good sound system, just really it just really fits the vibe a little bit more. Like I'll explain, like big room is obviously better for music festivals and open air concerts, right? And you could do it at daytime yeah. and at nighttime. But things like house music, I much actually prefer it in a smaller, more intimate venue. Um, much, much yeah, prefer Yeah, I can it. agree with that. Like I don't, I don't, and you know what? I feel like house music, you also don't need graphics and visuals, right? Like I know a lot of clubs have started doing that, but there's a, I, I really like the old fashioned club, like where there's no... Um, graphics or anything like that it doesn't distract from the music for instance output was like that right um yeah. another great club that's a favorite of mine here in san francisco is audio audio does a fantastic job it's it, it feels like a bar and lounge area but it's not it's got like a nice little dance floor area the bars are separate from it so it's actually easy to go get a drink um and they just do a really good job with it and you've got people like noisy rolling through and uh, all these great house djs i saw chris lorenzo there as well and it's just i think it's just nice. a much better vibe it's very intimate with the dj and honestly I, I bet i guarantee if you went and asked djs i think they prefer it too Interesting. Very interesting. I, I I think you're definitely right on the fact that um, it depends on the genre of music. That's something I really didn't take into account. I totally agree with you. Like techno and house music, I think it belongs more in like a, an intimate nightclub or like a warehouse space. But I feel like other genres, for me personally... I like to experience them more in an outdoor festival. I like being outside. I, I kind of like just the the weather of being outside, if the weather's nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like I like exactly. the sun. I like it when it's cooler at night. You know, everybody's kind of together. And as the sun sets over the festival, I like what, that the production gets more and more and like they turn on more lights and more effects. I really enjoy that. Yeah, no, I, I do too, man. I do too. But I yeah. just there's just something for me that's just a little bit 
different about going to like a really good nightclub um i i guess primarily maybe it's because i think another thing to consider too what's nice about it is you really know who you're going to see and it's very controlled like it's it's easy to like go for like a night out right but whereas usually when you've got open air venues and stuff it's like the whole day or you you know this is uh, that's why i kind of like a nightclub because it could be like you know in san francisco everything's so close you know we can buy a ticket last minute and just go right like if we're just at a bar or something um totally and that's what i enjoy about the nightclub is just kind of that flexibility and ease of access um as well as the a little bit more of the intimacy that it provides because i do feel like with some of the big stages and outdoor venues you feel a little bit separated and there just tends to be so many people like i know nightclubs can get packed too but there just is always so many people at outdoor venues and I don't know. Yeah. I'm a social guy, but I get enough of people sometimes. <laughs> Definitely, man. And then just kind of speaking more along uh, with nightclubs, right? The uh, IMSBs report here, they specifically called out Las Vegas and Berlin. And one thing I found very, very interesting is that Las Vegas is actually seeing, uh, again, the same thing. They're seeing a, a drop in attendance for their nightclubs and for their pool parties. This, But this is not surprising to me. I could see the hotel nightclubs and why, with a cover, I could see why that's decreasing. Um, you know, I, I just feel like, have you really enjoyed that, going to like a, a nightclub that's in one of those big casinos or hotels? Oh, God, no. Yeah, dude. see? Like, God, no. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I don't really like it. And it just feels weird that you're kind of confined to the same hotel and area. Like, you know, that's how casinos are anyway. But I, I'm not right. surprised about that. The pool party, though, or the day clubs, that is something that does surprise me a little bit more. I mean, it's a pretty sharp decrease. You look at from 2016 to 2018, it's gone from, you know, 11% down to 4% um, of the proportion of Las Vegas visitors. They're just getting so freaking expensive, That man. might be why. I mean, that might be why. It's just so insane that people are spending like 20 to up to $30 per drink, right? And we're not talking about like any special drink or anything like that. But like, this is how much people are spending per drink when they want to go to these clubs, you know? And on top of that, like, and let's talk about day clubs specifically, right? We're talking about Vegas, maybe pool party season. That's when most of these day clubs are open. Guys, it's hot as fuck out there, okay? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, unless you're spending the money to be, like, in a cabana like we did for the Base Rush Pool Party in 2017, I don't know if I really want to be baking out in the 100-degree weather uh, at, at a club where I'm trying to dance but also feeling very uncomfortable and, and, you know, having to buy drinks in order to cool myself down, dude. Yeah, I agree. They should do – I mean, I guess I'm, we haven't really been to, to all of the day clubs, right? Like, you know, but yeah. our experience – was it Rehab? I believe it was the Rehab one. Yeah, and, uh, in – the Hard Rock Hotel. Yeah, yeah. the Hard Rock Hotel. Um, but there just wasn't much shade or anything like that. Like, you've got the pool, but still, it's like, it's really... But that's how they all are, dude. Yeah, I know. That's how they well, all are. Well, they should, they should change that. That's a shame. Because I, I really do like the idea of, like, the day clubs and stuff. I think that could be really fun. But it's just, like, make it a little bit more um, accessible from a price standpoint. But maybe the reason why they're not right. is because they're trying to keep it relatively exclusive. Otherwise, everyone would be going all the time. So, but may, I feel like they've just gone a little bit too much, too extreme with that though. So maybe if they provide some more shade and things like that, that, that number can go back up. To- totally agree, dude. I, I do think that the clubs kind of need to revamp themselves. And, you know, actually what they're seeing is, is that uh, Chaos, the new club over there is, you know, hopefully the answer to maybe kind of pushing clubs to rework how they set their, their themselves up. You know, Chaos is a, is a pretty interesting club. Uh, I don't think it's really all that different from other clubs in Vegas, but some people are absolutely raving about the new Chaos Club at the Palms Casino and Resort. So 
I don't know, man. You know, Vegas is hoping that chaos kind of leads the way in boosting visitors because they're actually pulling in some pretty big names to play there. You know, like, for instance, Dead Mouse was there. Eric Prids was there. Um, I believe Tiesto was there. Marshmallow was there. So pretty, pretty big names. Yeah, big names, man. I mean, that, that will definitely yeah. help. So but we'll just see, you know, how long that lasts just because it might also be um, inflated because it's a new club and then it got the big signing. So we'll see if that's going to be sustainable terms of growth totally um but hopefully so man I, I hope so totally man and then uh just to kind of cap off here the report had talked about berlin a little bit this was interesting it kind of made me want to examine my credit card statement here but um <laughs> <laughs> it's saying that uh, a recent study found that 40 percent of berlin's 280 clubs which is actually a big number i, I was kind of shocked to hear that berlin has 280 clubs but 40 percent of those clubs play techno and the report here points out that <laughs> clubbers are spending on average of 200 euros per day when they go out to these clubs. It's, you know, <laughs> like, man, I, I guess we haven't really talked about this, but every European knows that Berlin is the party hub if you like electronic music yeah. and nightclubs. I mean, Berlin is the place to go and it probably will continue to be. In fact, I'm, I'd venture to guess that, if anything, it might be getting a little bit more popular in terms of going to clubs. They didn't, they didn't look at that or analyze that, but... Looking at how yeah. much they're spending and then also just like the the popularity of techno and stuff, right? I mean, you're looking at the the genres. It's it's insane. It's pretty cool. Like genres played by club, 47% is house, split another 40% with indie rock and pop, and then 40% is techno. I mean, I don't know if there's many cities in the world where they have that breakdown in terms of what the clubs yeah. are playing. I, I would love to check out the Berlin club scene, and I've heard it's crazy. Really quite it's amazing. insane. It's just yeah. absolutely bonkers. <laughs> it's off the charts. It is. It's awesome, though, in a good way. Like, it's just really, really cool. And do, you, and do you see this other one? The average age of clubbers. Yes. 30 years old. Wow, that's so cool. Exactly, dude. I mean, I, you know, there were t- there are times where, like, I'll go out to, to events and I'll be like, man, am I... Am I getting old? Like, am I getting? Am I like becoming the old guy in the crowd? Listeners, I'm only 25, right? But like, sometimes when I go to events, I like kind of look around. I'm like, oh damn, dude, I feel like I'm like more skewing towards the older of attendees at this event. But, but that might uh, be in it's America. Kind of reassuring. That might be just in, in yeah, America. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna point that out. Yeah, that could be like how it is in America. But you know, it's reassuring to hear that there are, you know, the average age of clubbers in in Berlin is 30. You know what I mean? So I, I you know, hope that gives me some hope that maybe I'm not like too old. <laughs> to be going out to these events. I love it, so I don't care. <laughs> well, there you go. You got your answer. Yeah. You're not going to care anyway. <laughs> no, exactly. I really don't give a shit. Um, all right. So, listeners, I mean, if you guys have been out to Berlin, like, share your stories with us, man. We want to hear it. Like, we want to we wanna experience some FOMO. Videos, because we've just too. Heard that. Videos, too. Videos, too. Totally, man. Totally. I love this part of the IMS report, man. I, I This is a really, really interesting part. It is. It's something I feel like, you know, especially on like the blogs and stuff, like they'll cover clubs closely, but they don't really cover the state of things, right? And how nightclubs yeah. are doing versus festivals and stuff. So I'm glad that, you know, I, I think they could do a little bit better of a job in terms of doing this. I know it's quite hard getting these studies across different, you know, countries and stuff like that but it's nice right. to see that they're analyzing this and um i think moving forward they'll they'll probably go a little bit more in depth because it's it's a big business out there man like i mean nightclubs Huge. is it's it's really hard to start but when done right they can make a a, a lot of money i mean right in berlin totally man they made 168 million euros and employed over nine thousand people so that's a that's a big yeah. thing for a local economy it's pretty cool to see. And then uh, next week, we'll be just talking about uh, the report goes into companies and brands. So listeners, definitely be sure to tune in next week where we talk about Section 4 of the IMS uh, business report. So pretty pretty cool stuff here, man. Totally, man. Well, and then going on yeah. to, I know it's your, 
either than the chain smokers it's samir's favorite dj marshmallow um all right <laughs> look i i enjoy some s'mores okay oh, i like Christ. like graham cracker and, oh and chocolate and marshmallow you, every once in a while by you sound like a dad no dude that was no, a dad joke no. that was so totally a fucking dad joke i know i know i'm awful what can i say you're, you're too old to be going partying you're too old dude one day i'm gonna roll up and like i feel like people are gonna be like what is who, whose dad is this like <laughs> Have you guys seen my daughter? She was supposed to do her homework. Oh my god. Anyways, I love that. Anyways, uh, so guys, this is actually really interesting, and uh, I'm not a massive fan of Marshmallow, and I know Alec isn't a massive fan of Marshmallow, but Marshmallow's coming out with a new album, and it's titled Joy Time Three. And the reason why we're touching upon this is because there's actually a couple of really interesting collaborations on here. Marshmallow had tweeted out the uh the track list and uh, it's a 13 track ep and uh there's there's obviously some marshmallow doing his own songs it's just him on the track but then he's got a couple of collaborations and i i found particularly interesting bellacor which is a, a house dj you got wewek you got tynan uh crank that was an interesting one and then one that i find extremely interesting just because like middle school samir would go pretty nuts for this but <laughs> marshmallow is doing a song with a data remember uh yeah, you know it, alternative rock screamo I, no, I wouldn't even say alternative rock, but like a screamo band, um, you know, that was like in, in my middle school and high school days uh, that they, they did a song called Rescue Me, which is pretty fitting for a day to remember. I feel like that that uh, fits in well with their brand. But dude, wh- I mean, did you take a look at the, the uh, features on this? Well, Samir, I'm actually going to have to go here and maybe question. I'm not sure why you're surprised about Crank That because I thought this is a really good uh fit because if you really listen to his stuff maybe not so much as newer stuff but there's definitely a crossover in the sounds from crank that's older stuff i mean do, do you see that or, or no maybe that's just me i could see it i guess in my mind i i it seemed like you know obviously you mentioned this but like crank dad is kind of going away from his older sound you know what i mean mm-hmm. and like i i didn't know if he would like revisit what he was cranking out maybe back in like I don't 20, know, 20, yeah, 14, 2012, yeah. 2013, 2014 era. You know what I mean? He's but so young. I, I can see what you he's mean so by young, that. Actually, I mean, do you know how he's really yeah. young? But he's been around for a while. How old is he? I don't know. He's like he's in his early twenties, man. Like he's really young. Dude, good for Crank Dad. Oh, no, man. He's been around good for, for a Crank while. Dad. That's crazy. But I mean, also Elohim. You know, so we got Marshmallow and Flux Pavilion doing a song featuring Elohim as the vocalist. She's great, by the way. Yeah. I, I really like Elohim a lot. Agreed. Um, I thought this was a pretty interesting collab too. It's it's going to be an interesting album. I'm actually really looking forward to hearing it and just seeing what he does with the uh, the solo tracks and the collaborations. Yeah, I, I'm really interested to see. You know, um, yeah, I, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but the one thing I will say is when he delved into another, or at least he collaborated with someone from another genre, I didn't really like the outcome. Remember that song with sudden death. Yeah, I I didn't like that song. It they were kind of ill fitting together. Like it sounded like kind of two songs coming together that didn't really mesh well. Right, that's what I'm worried about. Um, yeah. more than anything. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think he's just putting his brand out there and really just trying to show that he's, you know, he's really is trying to become the face of electronic music. Actually, if you really think yeah. about it, and he's doing a pretty good job with that. So props to him for doing that because he's positioning himself. Dude, the well. man is a marketing genius. Yeah. We've talked about this before on the podcast. He just knows what he's doing. He knows how to connect with an audience. He knows how to garner a, a listener and a fan base. I, and I think this album is going to do some pretty big things for him. Yeah, no, I agree. Sweet, dude. Uh, Alec, I got to tell you about my weekend. I forgot to tell you about it at the top of the show. Go on. What happened? Yeah, so dude, I uh, I attended a Lunar Lounge event. And uh, 
you know, so basically Lunar Lounge is a event company, you know, it's it's an event promoter and it's ran by Aaron Root or, you know, his artist name is Azure. I actually met him the night that I went to Shemansky to go check out Aki. So he was also on the lineup that night and I just said, hey man, you did a did a great job with your set and we just kind of connected and I, you know, got his contact information. He invited me out to his Lunar Lounge event that took place this past weekend and I had a pretty good time, man. And uh, he was kind enough to uh, come onto the show and talk to us about what it's like to be throwing your own events here in uh, New York City. All right, listeners, so we're on the line right now with Aaron Root or Azor, whichever way you want to call him. He's a man of many talents. Like I said, I just attended one of his events this past weekend, a Lunar Lounge event, where Azor actually played at the event and he dropped a killer killer set we had trust out there we had Ikanova out there smashing their sets it was a really really fun time uh everybody was moving everybody was grooving and we're just very very excited to have him here on the show to talk about what it's like to host and to promote your own events so i'm going to toss it over to aaron aaron how you doing man thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today well goodness after that introduction i'm I'm feeling pretty good i appreciate (laughs) it uh yeah Everything's good. Obviously, like you just said, just do a show this weekend. I appreciate the kind words about the set too. So feeling pretty good and ready to answer any questions. Love that, man. Love that. I mean, let's just start right at the top for you, dude. How did you even first decide and what made you want to get involved in the electronic music scene just in general from a DJ, from a producer to putting on your events? How did you decide to get involved? Yeah, so I I'm, I actually, when I was listening to the Aki interview, I and then we kind of decided that we were going to have our interview. I was like, oh, man, like, I'm, I'm ready for this question. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a cool story. So, and I'll give you this background just to kind of, like, tell you how literally anyone can do this. Um, I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, it was before a soccer game. And one of my friends was playing with this cool – thing on his computer called virtual dj i'd oh, never yeah. heard of it oh yeah downloaded it uh had a lot of fun never anything serious with it uh college freshman year i had some more free time on my hand than i realized i'd have started opening it again playing around with it just messing around said oh man uh i'm starting to actually really like this uh so trust is actually my friend from high school and oh, nice. he had just started djing yeah so he had just started DJing. I saw him have a bunch of really cool gear. I was starting to get into it and I was having so much fun. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to buy the gear. Started messing around a little bit more seriously. And then I actually started playing at my college bar um, for just like regular top 40s, pop, hip hop. I was like, well, if I'm going to DJ, I need to learn from those who do it. So I just Googled like DJ sets. And then I was like, oh, wait, like this electronic music is pretty cool. Uh <laughs> Got offloaded a ton of music from all my DJ friends. Next thing you know, uh, I'm at my first festival with this weird guy who I've heard of before, but I didn't really think he was that cool. Uh, His name is Skrillex. (laughs) And I was like, oh, wait, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. This is awesome. And that was it. Um, Just just to clarify, you weren't actually with Skrillex in the crowd, right? (laughs) You were watching Skrillex. No, no, no. Are you and Skrillex no. like low-key best friends, man? Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, right? my God. I wish. I wish. I was like into Jackie by that point, but I was like, oh, Skrillex is that guy that did Kyoto. Like, that was a cool yeah. song, but like, I don't really like dubstep. And then yeah. he just blew me away. And that's, 
Oh man, and that's, that's how I got into electronic music. Love that, dude. So you're saying that he kind of got you into into dubstep and stuff. Were you expecting that? Were, did you have any other like? Is is that what kind of pushed you to begin producing trap and some harder type of music? Yeah. So I think probably I, I clarify a little bit. I think like that moment that like set was the first time when I was like, oh wait, like. I'd already started to like electronic music a little bit from DJing and I definitely had a lot of music, but that was the first moment where I was like, Oh dang, like this is, this is really, really cool. And so I started like really doing like the SoundCloud digging. I started really like, that was the music I listened to then electronic music. And then I moved from college, my senior year, I graduated, moved to New York to work a full-time job. Totally like, was done. I left all my DJ gear back home. I'm growing up and I'm being an adult. And then right. two months in, I was just like, nah, like, holy, like I had this itch that just won't go away. And I had picked up and put down production like a bunch, like a few times. And the, the story that kind of like flipped the switch was I had been networking a lot in the music and in, in the scenes that kind of like, I wanted to get myself out front of there. I wanted to DJ. And then I was in front of, I was in the Good Looks Collective office. If any of you listeners don't know who Good Looks Collective is, they're a really, really cool uh, kind of promotion slash music events company in New York. I was in their office with their main talent buyer sitting across the table from me and he asked me point blank, like, who should we book in New York? And I said, you know, respectfully, me. And he said, great. <laughs> send us, he said, great. <laughs> great. Send us uh, what music you've made. It's like, yeah. So I literally walked out of the door. I literally remember this. This is exactly what happened. I walked out, closed the door behind me, pulled out my phone, and immediately called my friend. And I said, hey, uh, Black Friday's in two weeks. I'm going to start producing. What should I buy? And that was nice. it. And that's how I started getting into music production. So I was, I'm was i a DJ first, which most people aren't. Most people say they're producers first, but I definitely was a DJ first. Nice. And 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 if I had to ask, like, what do you prefer? Do you prefer DJing or do you prefer do you prefer producing? Oh, absolutely, DJing, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You seem to have a lot of fun up there on stage, dude. I mean, I think everybody was <laughs> digging your energy at the event this past weekend. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's just more my. I mean, not that I, I've learned to like producing a lot more, but like I'm definitely extroverted. I'm definitely energetic. So that part of me is just loved it. I just love that so much. So what right. about DJing? Do you like so much? Is it the connection with like the crowd? You know, what, what makes you really say that you like DJing more than producing? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there's tons of different parts that I connect with. I definitely really connect with like, they just, you know, I, God, it sounds cheesy. It's true. The telling the story. I love that. Um, like taking people on a journey. I love the, kind of controlling the music in a venue. I mean, what better power is there than to have a, like when you're, when you're on ox court at a party, but like it's 10 times bigger because you're DJing. Um, I love just the feeding the energy to and from the crowd. I love that. There's just so much, a lot of energy and dancing, moving around in it. And it's just it's really fun. Nice. Well, let me ask you, man, um, you have your own event promotion company, Lunar Lounge. So what's mm-hmm. the story behind that? How did you start that? Uh, and what made you want to start producing and throwing your own events? Yeah, absolutely. So at the risk of telling the same story a bunch of times, I'll just kind of say most everything in my journey has started with a, 
me talking to people who kind of suggested I do something or I took their advice or I learned from them. So in this particular case, I connected with a promoter in the city um, on Facebook uh, right in that like first couple months when I moved here and I was like, Hey man, I really want to like DJ in the city. I seen you DJ, like, what should I do? Like you should start your own. He, he basically said among many other things, you should start your own event series. And, uh, so I said, okay, if that's a great idea, if, if I'm not getting booked, I'm just going to book myself. And so I nice. kind of threw a really like small party, like under a hundred people were at the first one that was back in August of last year. Um, and then I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Let's do it again. And then we did it again. And then we did it again. And then we did it again. <laughs> and it's kind of just turned into this actual company where now we're starting to book real artists that aren't just me. We're starting to grow and just, it's a great platform for me to be able to either do it myself or share that same passion I have of DJing and playing music with other people and other artists and new guests that can come to the event and have fun. So like is this guys. like kind of like your passion now, man? Like, you know, this, this is really cool. And I know we had talked to Aki as a, you know, listeners, um, go back and definitely take a listen to that episode. And Azor actually, um, open for Aki. That's how we came to know him. But I really enjoy seeing, you know, kind of the grassroots development of these type of companies and putting on events and stuff. So, tell me, man, like when when you're organized, did you see this as something that you know would is going to really form your career moving forwards? Um, you know, and and what what do you think about like focusing more on? Because that, this is something from you know just talking about to Samir about it, just seems like it could really blow up. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Uh, no, definitely not. I mean, this whole, the whole thing kind of just all happened uh, so quickly. And like I said, I moved to New York with no intention to continue doing music. I've got a full-time job. Um, and, uh, you know, something that Aki said herself, you know, trying to balance both. Um, but yeah, you know, it's definitely, you know, a passion project turned into, it's, it's, I'm seeing the writing on the wall that it's kind of what I want to do. I think the ideal way would definitely be to like grow into an events company that like really throws some good shows and some stuff that you, that people like, we want to be, you know, obviously we want to be different. We want to bring new experiences and, and figuring out what that looks like in a market like New York is going to be, you know, our biggest test and figuring out how we can grow that. But you know, what the ideal situation would be is growing a community that people like going to just a lunar lounge show, regardless of who's playing um, and having fun time and feeling like when they're there, when they're at a show, that any stress, any uh, anything that's weighing someone down is just gone. The second you enter those doors, they're they're not there. They're not present. You're not worried about it. You're only focused on the show that's at hand. So you, you mentioned that you've thrown multiple Lunar Lounge events, and you've been doing this since August of 2018. And, and just to clarify, how many events have you thrown so far under Lunar Lounge? Yeah, this last one was our fourth one. The, nice. This weekend was the fourth one. And, and throughout the process of throwing your own events, could you just tell us about like some of the key takeaways and some of the learnings that you got, that you have learned with each iteration of a Lunar Lounge event? That's a good one. Um, I'd say a couple things. Uh, the biggest lesson I've learned is, uh, you know, don't try to grow too fast. Don't try to move too quickly. Uh, take it slow and easy. Um, you know, especially if you get like some early success, you're going to think, ah, I got this now. I know what I'm doing. Everything's perfect. I'm going to throw the biggest show ever. And then you right. kind of like 
bite off a little bit more than you chew. We definitely had to do that. Um, we definitely did that at one point and you know, actually had to uh, pull back on one of our shows um, that we had originally planned. So that was, you know, a bummer, but at the same time, it's a, it's a learning lesson that allows you to know that say, Hey, like if you've done these five things right at this show, only focus on like one more new thing to improve the next show, like 10% instead of trying to make it like a hundred percent better or, you know, try to double it in size, just go slow. Um, I definitely, there's a lot of like guerrilla marketing and just, you know, getting people to shows. You got to contact your friends and your friends, friends and your friends, friends, friends. And that's a lot of outreach and a lot of marketing. So you got to make sure that when you're asking, you know, people to come to your show that you're doing so in a genuine positive way. And you're also like, you care about what they're doing in their lives. Like a lot of my friends who come to my shows, like I go to their clarinet recitals or their flute <laughs> stuff or whatever they're whatever they're playing I, I make sure i'm there too so um just being genuine with the people that actually come to your shows and again like you guys are perfect examples like you all are electronic music fans that showed up and now you know if there's anything i can do to support your podcast like that's awesome how can we work together that's Always a great way to that. build a community Thank you, man. We definitely appreciate that. Yeah, we, we, had a, we had a really, really wonderful time. And, you know, I, I think like we had talked about before the start of this call, uh, one thing that I don't think many of our, I don't think many people in the electronic music scene realize is that this is where a, a formation of electronic music starts right here is at these smaller grassroots movements at these kinds of events that grow and produce a community of fellow electronic music enthusiasts. So if you had to give some advice to folks who maybe want to bring up the electronic music scene in various cities around the world. What would you tell them about throwing their own events? I mean, I think just the first thing that comes to mind is you got to start small. And I know I just said that, but you're going to, you're going to, your first show is going to be a show to just your friends and just a few of their friends. As long as you're constantly building and building means a couple of different things, both building your brand and your show, but also building the experience for your attendees because at the end of the day it doesn't matter what you do it matters that they have fun and that they want to come back right as long as you're building from each show and you're learning you know you can make it happen um i think i'd also suggest to be very very wary of the many different stakeholders that involved um both from a make sure that you're not being taken advantage of to also making sure that you're not taking advantage of other people. There's venues that you have to work with. There's artists, there's managers, there's vendors, there's lighting, there's uh, like anyone that's handling like the sound system, the lighting, the, the sound technician. And there's so many different people. Make sure that everyone is getting a fair recognition of their work and they're being treated respectfully. And that includes yourself. Huh. Very, very interesting. Yeah. I don't think that many people realize just how many people are involved in, in putting on an event. And I know you just mentioned artists and managers. So could you tell me what your process is and how you even get in touch with booking an artist like an Econova, for instance? <laughs> you're going to, you're going to love this story. Let's hear it. Man. Um, someone recorded me playing his language flip at my second show. Okay. Uh, I then, and they tagged me on Instagram. I then reposted that and tagged him and said, Ekanova, your flip is the best song ever, blah, blah, blah. And him being Steven, the beautiful human being he is, was like, oh my God, thank you so much. 
uh, really means a lot. And then I was like, hey, uh, I book shows in New York. We should be friends. Nice. And like, it was, it was more than that. But literally, we, we, we grew a relationship off of Instagram. And then we finally made it come to fruition. And we were like, hey, let's actually bring you out here. That would be awesome. Um, and that's how we got him out here. But I, awesome. I think, the again, the larger story here is like, just you can build relationships. I write for a blog and I wrote a lot of his songs up for our blog, Run the Trap. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helped build a relationship to where he saw like, hey, this guy really wants to help me. He wants to get me out to New York. He wants to help my brand. Like, I'm going to come out to New York and I'm going to play for him. And it's it's sweet. And just, it's a genuine friendship that was formed. Um, So that's the only real like artist manager experience I've had. But I would say that that's how you should approach a lot of these situations. Like provide a lot of value to the artist and the manager and know that they have their own agenda that they want to grow. And how can you partner what you're doing with what they want to achieve as well? I love that, man. Like it's just great advice because I feel like, again, as Samir said too, it's just really difficult to tell when you're getting into like what you're getting yourself in for right like the amount of people a lot of things moving cogs that have to you know come together so i think it's just really cool seeing you do this pretty successfully and i I love that i love that story i mean is that something that happens often with artists right like you just shout them out on uh you know you play one of their songs in a set and then maybe you can meet up that way and uh play together is that like a technique you're going to use going forward yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know if that, it's a good question. I don't know if that very specific thing uh, will do it. But I mean, there's just so many stories I, I could literally just walk you through of people I've just met in the music industry that have become like instrumental in my success in one way or another, whether it's a one-time thing or it was uh, other situations where just things like that, like providing some sort of value to them. Um, actually, just honestly, I'll tell you this story too the guy that told me the promoter I told you about earlier in this podcast that told me to start my own company. His name is Alex English. A year later, I can almost say a year to the day. I said, Hey Alex, don't know if you remember me. You gave me this advice to start my own company. I did. Here's our latest recap video. And from that interaction, he booked me to open for West end and he booked me for the Aki show where you found me. Yeah. And what happened after the Aki show, I got connected with you all. And now I'm on a podcast. Right. And literally that all happened from a Facebook message that I sent a year ago asking some guy for advice on how to DJ in the city. So just like having these connections and providing value and showing people that you genuinely care about things that they say and things that they're doing, that's how you can build those relationships. Damn, this is this is really, really, really great stuff, man. Uh, thank you for, you know, shedding your insight here. Um yeah, interested to hear now you know you've already thrown four events through lunar lounge we got azor who's out here producing music opening up for very really great talented artists what's next man what's what's in your future what can we expect Ooh, that's a good question so we got a show coming up in september i can't give too many details yet but once i have them officially all finalized i'll make sure you are the first to know but mark your calendars for for the month of september Block off every single every day. Single day. It could be a Monday. You don't hours. know. Yeah. The you don't time. know. It might be Monday at three. Dude, I'm already uh, out of the office for that whole month. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Azur is, uh, learned a lot of production stuff this weekend from Akinova. So he's excited to get back in the studio, I hear. Um, <laughs> but grinding away on that. And then just, you know, 
uh, trying to, you know, grow, grow our network for Lunar Lounge, trying to build it, trying to meet people in the, in the city, trying to meet more just general people who love EDM, get connected with them, see what they're up to, see what the community is going on and getting, and get engaged with the community. Love that, dude. Listeners, well, I mean, we'll definitely keep you guys updated as to what our friend Azor or Aaron Root is up to, you know, whether it be his music production career or, you know, with Lunar Lounge and the events that he's throwing. That's it on my end, man. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention before uh, we let you go? Uh, I think I think that's it. I guess my two plugs would be uh, Lunar Lounge Presents uh, on Instagram and uh, Azor Music, if you want to stay in the know. I appreciate anyone who... Uh, listened to this as well as you two for having me and being really big fans so far. I'm obviously a fan of you guys and listening to your podcast. So Thank you, man. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do the same. We'll mutually support each other. Of course, brother. That's what it's all about. And listeners, we'll also have links to those, uh, to those socials uh, in our show notes as well. So be sure to check it out there. But uh, dude, thank you so much for your time, man. And thank you for a wonderful weekend as well. We had a really good time. Well, no problem. Hope to have you guys back soon. For sure. Well, that was awesome, Mazur. Like, you know, uh, listeners, I hope you really enjoyed that section. And it's just such an interesting topic, man, because I know that's something that we have thought about, right? Eventually, yeah. something being in the pipeline. Hint, hint, listeners. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Damn, already letting the cat out of the bag. Well, it's something that yeah. we'd like to work towards, you know? And I figured that, totally. you know, it's, it's it kind of is a logical set. It's probably not going to happen for a while, but it, that's why we would yeah. like to, you know, talk to these people. And it's also just showing, like, you know, you never really hear from promoters and people putting on stuff do you you never really know about their like right. life and what the the job is like so i thought that was really cool it's cool to get that perspective right. you know like there obviously you know we know the bigger companies like you know that put on tomorrowland that put on you know edc vegas and insomniac events and ultra events and you know all the other festivals that are all around the world but Listeners, I think that sometimes, you know, we forget that there's also a ton of work that goes into your local events in your own city, you know. So I just, you know, thank you again to Azure for coming on to the show and, and shedding some light on that. I think, um, you know, it's really, really valuable. And, you know, guys, don't forget to support your local scene and what, wherever you listen to electronic music and attend events. It's really, really important to to kind of boost and uh, help out the local promoters there. Yeah, no, that's great. Again, yeah. thank you to Azure for coming on. Um, but moving onwards, it seems like we are talking about uh, maybe their screw ups and just everything going on with them is just a massive marketing campaign. Because I swear to God, we've talked about Ultra <laughs> so many bloody times. We sound yeah. like spokespeople for him. But I tell you what, this this is this is nice to see where it was just you know I've been a big fan of Ultra Europe. Haven't been able to go, but we talked last episode about how Ultra Europe might have to move locations, and they didn't really specify whether that meant like the Miami situation would have to move cities, um, but it doesn't seem like they have to do that. So they're currently located in Split in Croatia, which is an awesome, awesome, awesome fucking city, by the way. Have to go if you haven't really? been. Oh, I love Split. It's unbelievable. Nice. What an amazing place. It's a great... Croatia is just an amazing country. Just go. Game of Thrones is kind of ruining the more southern part of the Dalmatian coast, they call it. Uh, but Split's a little bit more northern, so it's not completely bombarded by tourists, apart from ultra season. Anyways, they're moving to a new location within Split. So they're moving away from the football field that they have there, and they're going to this park. I'm not going to try pronounce the name even though i went there Alec, I, I thought you were so no, worldly no. and cultured man oh. you can pronounce this one come I on i can definitely uh i got i wish my girlfriend was in it because she can she can pronounce it better um you, okay you take a you take a crack at it and i'll take a crack at it go ahead park 
<laughs> I don't even know. Mal- Alec is getting shot. Detsy. Oh, my God. Maldetsy? I have no idea. I, I don't right, even let me know. Get a shot. I think it's pronounced Park Ledeji Le- Le- or something yeah, like that. Le- because Deci. there's like a little accent over yeah. the Z. But let's just call it the Park. The, yeah, I like that, man. Let's call it yeah. the Park. But can you believe this, though? It's only a, col- uh, a kilometer away from uh, the old venue, which is interesting. Um, but it's really cool because it's very much close to the old city center. There, there's lots of hotels nearby, so logistically it's nice. It's not going to be just a hassle to get to since it's you know very close by. Um, but it seems like it's going to be a lot bigger than um, yeah. what they because they were very much limited, right? With being in the football stadium. When I say football, I mean like you know European football, soccer. Um, yeah, so I think this is actually going to be a really cool. Um, outcome from them yeah i i I can totally agree with that dude um my only concern here with this move and you know we kind of experienced this with ultra miami and i really hate to be a downer but i just hope that they're able to get their logistics in line you know like get it together uh in time you know you know hopefully they don't really experience any production delays but because dude july 12th through the 14th is ultra europe so they've only got about gosh, two weeks to get it together. So let's hope that the move uh, and the new planning at the new venue, it all goes smoothly. Hopefully the listeners and the fellow ravers out there, hopefully they have a good time. Um, I, I, I think Ultra will hopefully pull this off because I think Ultra Europe is actually the next biggest Ultra after Ultra Miami. So, you know, Ultra Europe, well, Ultra Music Festival Miami is pretty big here for us in the US and around the world. Ultra Europe, I think, and it appears that it is quite a big event for the European rave scene. So it is. It let's hope that they can pull it together. And, you know, a, a quick side note here, but one of the coolest things about Ultra Europe is not so much the actual festival itself, but they have uh, before and after parties on the surrounding islands. So Croatia has a bunch of different small little islands. So you can just hop on a... They literally have Uber speedboats you could take. And the the one particularly famous, all the Europeans listening to this will know where I'm going with this, but Havar is this awesome, awesome like party island, basically. Nice. Um, it's essentially the Croatian version to Ibiza, but it's also really nice if... Um, it, it's quite an affluent area, to be perfectly honest. There's a lot of Brits there who have um, retired there and things. So you get a nice mix between the party vibe and then also just it's a beautiful island if you just want to go chill out. So... Um, if you're around, this is why I would want to go because it's Ultra Beach Havar, which is going to be on the 16th. But it's just so cool, like being able to go party on the nice. island like that. It's it's really cool. Nice, yeah, that that sounds absolutely beautiful. And you know, let's also hope that everything is all set up and in, and together for Swedish House Mafia to make their Ultra Europe. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they don't well ditch because they will be. So there. they don't ditch. And I t- I have to yeah. concede to me. I have to concede publicly to you on the podcast. You were right about it. It was more just. Oh, you were right. Yes. I know. I know. Oh, dude, I, know. I am you're pumped right. about that. Oh, God. I, well, I'm not pumped that they canceled, obviously, but like, I'm pumped that, um, what, that you're right. You are, <laughs> that I was right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you, listeners. You heard it here. You heard it here. Alec has just admitted that I, Samir Singal, co-host of Beyond the Beats, was right. Um, anyways, so <laughs> that was Ultra Europe. And we promised last week that we will give an update on the Ultra Miami and the city voting on bringing Ultra Miami back to Bayfront Park. And the outcome was nothing. The vote was delayed to <laughs> July 25th. This is insane. It's honestly like Brexit, for Christ's sake. Just cheese. Yeah. Just leave state. Well, that's a really nice analogy, actually, except rather sad when you consider the consequences yeah. of a potential Brexit. Anyway, um, just, just looking at this, it's just, come on, people. Just like... It, 
I, I don't even know. I'm so confused. Does Miami want them to stay? Are they confused about that? I think it's really become a struggle between like the the citizens of downtown Miami and then also like the the city officials of Miami. Yeah, because they're you know, like basically this I think, in so much money. Exactly. But then downtown Miami residents are like, no, we don't want this debauchery. Get this shit out of here. You know. So. <sighs> Who's to say? Who, I mean, who's really to say? Who knows? Uh, but I guess we'll just have to wait now until July 25th. And uh, listeners, we'll circle back on this on this topic uh, when it comes to well, that. I'm sure we will. Gosh, we'll be talking yeah. about it forever. Hopefully next week. Hopefully next week we won't have to report on Ultra. Oh, who knows? Something else is going to go wrong yeah. or go right or whatever. But they're always in the news cycle. Yeah, yeah they really are. Um, all right. Well, Alec, I mean, <laughs> let me... Uh, <sighs> God. All right, <laughs> anti-plur moment, ladies and gentlemen. This one's got me heated AF right now, okay? And I think these past two weeks, it's been pissing me off more and more, all right? But SoundCloud, what the fuck are you guys doing with your ads? Why are they so irritating? Huh? Why can't I skip them? I used to be able to skip them, but now I can't. So now I have to sit there while I'm trying to listen to freaking sudden death or listen to eric prids or like find an artist that we're watching and i have to sit there and listen to a goddamn lowe's home improvement commercial i'm not buying paint okay i don't own a house what is going on (laughs) the ads don't even feel like they're targeted i already have insurance why is there a state farm commercial playing i never went on state farm's website what is going on the ads suck number one you don't let me skip them and they're not even targeted well it just hold on to be fair i have to cut you off here because i do work in the industry the this is a very side topic that i won't delve into because it's quite complicated but there's a reason why the targeting for these advertisements is not working as well um we could talk offline about that and if listeners are interested i could yeah. delve into okay. it and what that'll mean for the music industry but there's essentially there's a lot of these browser policy changes from google and from apple uh if you've heard of itp uh, intelligent uh, tracker prevention technology it's all in the name of privacy i'm a little bit more skeptical of it but essentially it's just making sure that it's harder to to track people around the web so these these ad, you can expect ads especially on uh, platforms like soundcloud uh where i think they're really just starting to get into advertising they're much data to leverage um it, it's going to be very untargeted so that's Sorry, oh, quick thing, but that's it's not totally their fault for that. But the annoying placements yeah. of them and the frequency of them, yes, that is 100% their fault. Continue. It's just, <laughs> it's just kind of ridiculous, dude. Like, I feel like it's just been getting worse and worse. You know what I mean? Like, I used to be able to just browse music through SoundCloud and then, you know, I never really used to encounter ads all that much. Fine. You know what? They got to find a way to bring in, uh, you know, a, a revenue source. I can understand placing ads. It's irritating, but you know what? We got to support SoundCloud. It's be- it's been a great platform for um, you know artists on the rise to kind of get their music out there. We browse SoundCloud quite a bit, and that's how we find the artists that we're watching. I don't know why they took away the ability ability to skip ads, and then on top of that, it feels like every two or three songs I'm listening to an ad, and on top of that, it feels like I'm listening to ads prior to listening to some of the smallest artists on SoundCloud when I'm trying to browse for music. And Alec, I mean, you're much more well-versed in, in, in marketing and like the ad industry, but I think it's kind of unfair because I feel like none of that none of that revenue gets kicked back to the artists that I was about to listen to right before this ad came on. Interesting. You know, I actually don't know how it works on SoundCloud, so that's a very, very good point. Um, and I think that would be something for them to consider if they're, if they're not already doing it. Well, we, I'll dig into that and we can talk about that in a yeah. future episode because I think that's really interesting. It's a very good point to me. Um, yeah. But, you know, I 
I agree. Uh, but playing a bit of devil's advocate here, we've had Spotify Premium for a while, so we don't know what it's like. But I, I remember, I think I was in the process of updating my payment for the Spotify Premium, and I saw the regular Spotify, and it sucks now, man. I mean, there are ads everywhere, and it's just... You, you could barely listen yeah. to anything. Maybe I've been spoiled. You know, like we have been spoiled from that regard. So maybe relatively speaking, it's not as bad. But I still think SoundCloud can clean up uh, their performance, whatever the in-house team that, that's managing it. It's just I think the placement and the frequency is off, right? Like the targeting, there's, to be honest, there's not going to be too, too much more they can do. It's, it's a little bit shielded from all the browser policy changes. But when they're trying to incorporate stuff that's just not related to music, such as, you know, are you visiting insurance sites? Like, they have to be getting their data from somewhere. So that data is not reliable as much anymore. So they should really consider yeah. just lessening the amount of ads that they're doing, right? And, and as you said before, maybe moving to more of like a YouTube model, right? Where, you know, you're, you're going to get paid for certain ads that are shown after being, you know, listened to or if they're on your profile, right? Like that's kind of how YouTube right. um, does it. So it's, it's a little bit different, but we'll we'll have to see with that. But I agree with you, man. It is getting rather annoying. Um, and, and it's sometimes yeah. the same. Have you got this too? It's the same ad over and over. Have you had that before? Yeah, it's so that's, annoying, that is some, That's their fault. So <laughs> that is their fault. They should not be doing that. It is really bloody annoying. I don't know why I need to listen to the same goddamn Subway commercial talking about their new, <laughs> you know, turkey, ham, cheese, olives, whatever sandwich, okay? I don't know why to keep well, listening to that, now okay? now you know it. But it's so irritating. No, I know. It's I just agree. like, it does, it, if anything, it makes me not want to go to Subway. I'm like, damn, SoundCloud is completely fucking well, Then you're going to go and be like, hmm, what about desire. that new turkey sandwich? Yeah, exactly. You know what? Well, guess what? Now I'm not going there. I'm going to go to a Blimpies if they're still around. <laughs> if they're um, still around. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Blimpies, where you at? Come on. What's going on? Um, For real. Love no, I agree, man. I totally agree with you on this. I was actually thinking about this too, and it's something that has been pissing me off just because the ads aren't really done well. You know, targeting is off both for their own internal reasons and external. And it, yeah, it, it's just contextually, the ads don't really make any sense, right? Like the insurance, like why yeah. are you being shown insurance ads when you're listening to music? And it just seems like they might be profiting a little bit more off of the the newer up and coming artists who could also use some of that ad revenue. Um, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, man, because I know SoundCloud's struggling in general, right? To monetize yeah, it, it is hard to. So I do feel for them and I am empathetic, but you know, um, definitely got to also keep in mind the user experience, especially when ads weren't like this, right? Like it's a very fragile relationship with the consumer right. base. You don't want to alienate people and be like, you know what? Screw SoundCloud. I'm just going to stop doing it. I'll just pay for Spotify. And- I'm not paying for SoundCloud. Fuck that. <laughs> All right. Sorry. I'm Spotify. I don't need another service now. Oh, um, oh man. Poor SoundCloud, right. dude. That's, yeah, I know. I'm so sorry, SoundCloud. I love you guys for, for always, you know, for being a place, a community for uh, up-and-coming artists to host their sound and, um, you know, for, uh, you know, helping us and aiding us in, in finding new artists. It, it really is, like, the best tool out there for new artists who are trying to come up in the scene. Um, and so we always appreciate that. Just you guys got to do a little bit better with your ads. I'm okay with listening to ads, but you guys have to do something to kind of yeah. work that process again. No, great, great ads um, you play, man. I'm glad that you brought it up. Thank you, dude. Whew, thank you. Oh, man. Um, Alec. What are we listening to this week? Well, two very interesting dude, tracks. Yes, and actually, it's funny because they're also two new tracks, right? Like very, yes, very sir. new. I believe they were just released prior to this episode, maybe a couple of days um, earlier. Yeah. I think was it the Chris Lake was on Friday, maybe or something like that. I'm not. Sure. I think they both were on Friday. Something like that. Yeah. yeah so very, you know, listeners, we record this on Sunday just for some context. But 
Chris Lake and Lee Floss teamed up for Lies, Deception, and Fantasy. This is a, a track that's actually got a little bit of controversy. We'll, we'll delve into that when we talk about it. But then we've also got R.L. Grimes' edit of G. Jones's In Your Head. And I tell you, fans of R.L. Grimes and G. Jones have been very, very excited for this for a while. You know, just yes. going through Reddit, you can see that. And I think R.L. Grimes has maybe been playing it out recently, and he hasn't, you know, really said anything about releasing it, but it's finally out. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this. But starting off with the new Chris Lake song, man, like he's he's on a roll right now. I mean, he's just releasing so much great music, and I, I oh really like this song. What, what, what were your thoughts uh, on it? Oh my god, dude! I heard this song. Um, I'm pretty sure. First of all, he played this at EDC, and oh, I'm, sure I'm also did. pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, and he also played this as part of his Coachella set uh, from this year, and that's where I first heard this track was in that Coachella set. And first of all, I love that set. Yeah, and so the fact that and this is like one of the first tracks that's played in the in in his set. So the fact that we finally got this release, and I had no idea Lee Foss was on this track, so that was pretty cool. Uh, but this is a trippy, trippy, uh, dark song i don't want to say dark house because some people might yeah. interpret dark house uh differently like they might associate that with res which i don't necessarily agree no, with what but they do? this is this who is the a, hell does that yeah dude there are, there are people who, who? say like oh res it's is like dark house what the hell i i agree dude i agree dark there are some techno, people who maybe? say like is that what is that what people nah say? people people will say like that's io this is a house song four to the floor with a dark spin on it the kick is heavy you know what mm-hmm. i mean the vocal synth it, the vocal sample is pretty trippy but this is a dank song but alec you were the one who's telling me that there's a little bit of controversy on this right yeah there is and it's it's kind of a little bit bizarre and just from the reactions i think this was uh, maybe a bit of a coincidence but uh the lyrics of the chorus in chris lake's song it, it's it's like 98 95 percent similar to the lyrics in san holo's light which was you know a huge huge song so i i'm not really entirely sure why but it, it was just it was just very very similar like if you go to the chorus like you you'll see here right like if you remember from san holos it's even if it makes me blind dude, i just you have to sing it i'm not gonna no i'm not gonna no, you have it. to you sing it dude off. no 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 no, no. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not i'm not exposing our listeners to the horrible voice that is mine when singing you know i might have a nice right. sounding sorry, radio voice but not yeah 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 sure no i'm not singing <laughs> <laughs> anyways go, go ahead. all right now you got me like about to sing though um <laughs> even if it makes me blind i just want to see the light breathe in leave it all behind i just want to see the light what great lyrics by the way just shout yeah. out sound hello for that that's awesome now chris good. lake and lee foss's song even if it makes me blind i want to see the light so why do i keep being evil every single night i you know i <laughs> It's it's just that line. Even if it makes me blind, I want to see the light. That's the that's the line that I feel like everybody knows from San Holo's song. Yeah, y- you know, I I, yeah. I don't know, I because it's not a small song, man. This this song was huge, and it's been out for year for like what is it? Gosh, it's like two three years now. Yeah, when you when we when you first told me about this controversy before we started, you know, recording this episode, I listened to both. Right, I listened to Chris Lake. Uh, and Lee Foss's track Lies, Deception, and Fantasy, and Sound Holo's Lights. And obviously, I've heard both of these tracks before, you know, I've, but uh, I just wanted to re listen to it to see if I could catch it. And I didn't actually immediately catch it because the vibes of the, these two tracks are is yep. so different. So, so different. But then I read an article that really like compares the excerpt from Chris Lake's track and also the excerpt from Sound Holo's track. And I could see why folks are saying these lyrics are pretty much the exact same. But I feel like. 
I feel like it's all it's done in such a different way where I just don't know if I would say that Chris Lake was really copying San Holo. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, man. I'm, I don't know. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's just kind of damning to see the, the... It's just the chorus, man. It's like not even like other parts of the song. It's just like that's the most memorable part of San Holo's yeah. life. Like that's the line that everybody knows who's listening to that song. And I agree, the vibes are totally different. So it's not, you know, if it was like a future based song or yes, we'd you know, have maybe that would be yeah. a bit different. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little bit more okay with this one. I, I think just, and also um, I'll have to put up the article, but I believe that Lee Foss responded uh, like for comments on, on, on Instagram and just said, you know, he reached out to him, just wanted to make sure that everything was okay and that, you know, this was just an honest mistake and just a coincidence. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I Maybe it was. It just. Because I think Chris Lake has also said that. I don't know. He's like claiming that you haven't even heard it. I don't think. We, I need to verify that. But it just seems like it's just a freaky yeah. coincidence maybe. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I really don't. I mean, I love the song. But the controversy, I'm not sure how to feel about it. And I, maybe because the vibes are so different, right? This is why I could believe it was a coincidence. Because the vibes are different and the song is totally different, like in general. Like from what it, you know what San Hello's song is about, I could kind of see why this is a coincidence. But one thing I'm like kind of, kind of, um, one thing that's kind of confusing me here is that like Chris Lake has been playing out this song, Lies, Deception, and Fantasy for quite some time. So the fact that like nobody has picked up on this coincidence before, it's kind of weird, man. Like, Well, I, probably I, just like you didn't, right? I mean, when you release yeah. the song, you've got, it's easy to access the lyrics, right? But when you're only hearing it live and there are just video recordings of it, I don't know if it's necessarily that easy to pick out. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, shit, we'll have to see. I, yeah. I don't know. We'll have to keep, we'll, listeners, we'll keep track of this and see what happens. But I, to be honest, this isn't, I don't think it's egregious in terms of, you know, uh, if it was kind of about the same thing and it was a future-based song, I'd have much more of a problem with it. Um, You know, so this is okay. But I tell you what, just as a song alone, regardless of the controversy, it's an awesome, awesome song. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. Before we get into uh, rating these, dude, let's uh, talk about G. Jones, the R.L. Grime edit of In Your Head. What did you think about this one? I thought Love this it. was fire. This was, dude. It was a fantastic, fantastic edit. R.L. Grime, you're killing it right now, man. Uh, this is just, you know, another addition to how much you've been killing it right now. And uh, I hope he's got more releases like this he's been going a bit darker recently yes um yes. even with his sets right like i know well you see he was kind of pissed off the weather prevented him from playing the main stage so when he went to bass party um this is this year's edc by the way listen, uh, yeah. listeners and he went and just destroyed it apparently like went really hard um Dude, i mean I, like i just really want to quickly point out like rl grime i feel like and Orgram has had great years in the past, but I think 2019 is like truly the Ooh. year where this man is just putting out absolute fire music and making crazy good moves with his record label Sable Valley as well. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't I, know. Could, this no, is a I see that, man. For him. I agree. No, I agree. This is absolute fire. It's just a great, great song. Yeah. Uh, and even the, I just also want to say that even the original by G. Jones is good. Like, I, I yeah, actually like totally. both versions of it. You know they're they're both excellent, but uh, RL Grime. I just love your spin on this. Like I think it's a true, true RL Grime esque sound. So, uh, listeners, before we get into rating these songs, we have a very unique rating scale here on Beyond the Beats. You know, returning listeners, you guys already know this part, so feel free to skip ahead a little bit. And uh, new listeners, welcome. We have a unique rating scale here here on Beyond the Beats, and it's it's levels one through five. And level one is you know the lowest level that we usually give out 
gifted tracks, and level five is the highest. So starting from level one, we call it one listen. It's basically where Alec and I will pick up a piece of music and we'll talk about it, you know, but that's probably going to be the only time that we really listen to this piece. And, you know, we're encouraging you guys to at least give the track one listen. Level two is called background noise and it's pretty self-explanatory. But, you know, if a song comes on in the background, you're not going to really make much of an effort to change it. You know, you don't really care if it's there. You might be doing other things and it's whatever. It's just it's there in the background to keep you company. Level three is what we call turn it up. It's when a song comes on and it propels you to grab the volume knob and crank it up, blast it out loud. And level four is what we call just bought tickets. It's when you hear a piece of music and it propels you to want to, uh, you know, look up the tour dates for an artist that you were listening to and try to find out when they're coming to your city next because you just got to hear them live. You just got to hear more. And level five is speechless. It's when you hear a piece of music and it's just you and the tune and that's all that matters. Everything else fades away. So just to reiterate real quick, level one is one listen. Level two is background noise. Level three is turn it up. Level four is just bought tickets. And level five is speechless. Alec. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of Chris Lake, Lee Foss, and the song Lies, Deception, and Fantasy? What did you think? You know, man, I'm going to go ahead and give it a level four out of five. Just bought tickets. This is, nice. this is a really great song, man. I really enjoy it. And I love his, you know, the black book direction that he's going yes. with. I mean, this is just, it, 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 it's another black book song, right? Yeah, I, I believe yeah. so. Um, you know, very much for listeners, the black, go check out black book. Samir and I saw his black book set, which is just his, is it his new album? I, I don't even know. I think it's like, I think it's like his label. You know his label. I, mean? I think it is yeah. his label. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's just it's a very much different vibe. It's a little bit darker. Uh, again, I don't want to call it dark house, just like Samir said to confuse people. But it's a darker vibe, a little bit more minimalistic. Um, I think is a good way to describe it too. But mm-hmm. stay with me. You know, big track that he released, and also turn off the lights uh, was another one on Black Book. So this goes right in line with it, and I I bloody love this song. I, I can't. I really want to see him again, man. I can't wait. I'm 100% with you, dude. I love, love, love Chris Lake. This song is crazy. This is a easily a Just Bought Tickets uh, level four for me as well. I mean, I think I think EDC was my first time seeing Chris Lake, that Black Book set. I think that was my first time seeing Chris Lake, and I it got— It was too for me, man. I can't what, believe it. What, dude? I, yeah. I, I know. I've been trying to see him for so long, but I don't. it just never worked out. I just never was yeah. around when he was around town, so— yeah. yeah, he's anyway. going back to back with Fisher here in New York soon. Uh, it's like this summer. I don't know if That's I'm going to go to that. But um, okay, no, I know you got to go see it, man. Come on, Alec, dude. You know how I feel about Fisher. Sometimes Fisher's great. You just let the meme of his song. That's not his fault that his song was so wildly popular. You can't punish the artist for that. Come no, on, I know. he's a great. And tickets. He's so much fun live. Yeah, tickets had also sold out as well for the show, so oh, well, okay. I think the resale cool. is going to be pretty nuts for it. But yeah, Level 4, Just Bought Tickets. Um, this is a fantastic track, and listeners, I highly encourage you, if you haven't heard a Chris Lake set yet, go check it out online or go see him when he comes to your city. He is so, so talented. And then uh, finally, G. Jones, In Your Head, R.L. Grime, Edit. Dude, this is another one. This is another Just Bought Tickets for me. Uh, again, I just... this is These... Both of these tracks, fantastic, fantastic releases, and I love R.L. Grimes' spin on this song, In Your Head. And you know what? I would also love to see G. Jones live as well. I really want to check him out. On the same page with you again here, it's a Just Bought Tickets, level 4 out of 5 for me too. Fantastic, fantastic song. A great edit of it, and 
definitely. I, I like also how, you know, it really does also keep a G. Jones vibe with it too. I, I, I really do appreciate that because I think there's a lot of homage to pay to his original track. But I, totally. I, I agree with you, man. I'd love to see them. That would be an interesting. Do you think they could do a back-to-back? Oh, dude, I feel like with this edit now, I feel like it's, uh, you know, it's a possibility. Like, G. Jones' music is pretty dark, and I feel like, like you mentioned, Arl Grime is going in a darker direction as well. So I could see it. I could see yeah, it Yeah, and he could sure. bring kind of more of that, like, you know, big rooms, um, the kind of more big room type of drop and trap. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? And if you, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like, Arl Grime's always kind of done that. Like, you look at the songs like Core, that type of stuff, where it's a oh, very... Yeah. Big long build up and the and the drop is just you know room filling in terms of sound and then G yep. Jones has more of that uh, glitchy I don't want to mm-hmm. say it's gl- you know it's not glitch but it's a little bit more glitchy in terms of the trap right when when it drops so I think this could be a really interesting back to back so Oral Grime G Jones get on it come on no doubt dude great great uh, tracks here this week man I, I just great music man in, in happening this summer for for EDM and uh, listeners. Just, I hope you guys are stoked on it as well. Actually, if you guys have track suggestions, songs that you're stoked about, definitely share them with us. Like we're on Instagram at btb.pod, on Twitter at podbtb. We're also on Facebook. We love, love, love to connect with you guys, man. All right, listeners, we've come to that part of the show, the part that we all know and love. It's the artists that we're watching section. I'm I'm pretty pumped up to talk about my guy. I know Alec is pretty pumped up to talk about you know his artists as well. So I mean, dude, why, why don't you kick us off, man? Who are you watching this week? So this week, I decided to go a bit harder than I have in the last few weeks. I know I've been recommending a lot of house music and, and bass house, so I wanted to switch it up a bit and go for someone a little bit harder. His name, well, he I like this in his SoundCloud description. He actually puts how to pronounce his name. I really like that. Right. However, I hope right. I, I'm not going to screw this up because that would be really embarrassing. <laughs> because, <laughs> but we'll, 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 right. we'll see how this goes. But Clove is how it's, it says. I, I could be butchering that, but I think it's Clove. Um, and it's spelled uh, K-L-A-V-A-Y. But he says this, say it like Clove. So I'll, I'll take his word. I think you got it, man. Him or her. I think him or her, I should say, actually. I don't know. Um, anyhow, yes, I think I got it. But he's been supported by he's been supported by Alice in Wonderland, which I thought was really cool. Um, he only has around forty seven hundred followers on SoundCloud, so that's pretty impressive at this stage uh, in his career as an artist to be you know supported by somebody like that. But the track that I have for you is this track called Visions. You can hear it building up in the background, but. I'll just let you listen to the drop because I think if you're into trap, you're really going to like this. Take a listen. My I'm like I'm loving all the different sounds that are coming yes. together here, man. This is so good. That is exactly why Samir I chose him because for this week. It's just so cool to see 
you know how different and all the different sounds and the elements that he adds in there right so it's just not a simple drop there's just so many different aspects to it right and all of his music is like that it's all actually quite different from each other so i really uh, really appreciate yeah. the effort that he makes to do that but this guy's definitely gonna blow up man i mean i could definitely see him opening for someone like a boombox cartel or an alice in wonderland you know like really looking forward to see what he's doing but my lord i mean the the song slaps it it's just fantastic yeah you've sent me a couple of his tracks uh you know this week when you said that you were going to feature him and uh you're absolutely right you're you're right on the money with the fact that like his tracks are pretty different from each other but each one is just very very well done and like i said the one the one thing i love about this song is that like you're just hearing a bunch of different elements come together in a very cohesive way because it keeps the track in- interesting and that's important and I, th- I think he really just knocked it out of the park with this one man totally he really did but i'll tell you what man tell me about who you've got this week i am stoked 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 on nerd music and that's spelled n-r-r-d his artist name is nerd he is he's awesome dude i i love this guy he's a 19 year old out of San Diego, California. He's been producing for uh, for eight years. Uh, he's open for some pretty big name artists, actually, in the San Diego, California area. Uh, he's open for Sudden Death. He's open for Umet Uskan. He's open for Gentleman's Club. So, I mean, this guy, he's doing a good job. Uh, and, uh, you know, he did mention to me that he's working on some uh, future collaborations that are going to be coming out this summer. So we're actually pretty excited to be talking about those songs when they come out. But, guys, despite having such a already great career at this stage in the game for him he only has 161 followers on soundcloud man on instagram only five yeah on on instagram he's only got 521 followers but you know what just i really want to give nerd here like just some mad props you're absolutely killing it and i'm just really excited to see like what you do next here in your music career but the song that i want to feature for you guys today is a remix of Madeon's All My Friends. I found this remix of his uh, when there was a video of him playing it out at a local festival in San Diego. When I heard this song drop, like, and I was hearing it through like a video recording of him playing it live, I was like, this is good. This is really, really good. So I found his email address and I just had to reach out to him saying, hey man, I really want to feature this song in our podcast. And he was nice enough to uh, to post it on SoundCloud for us to you know get access to it and be able to share it with our listeners. Uh, it's already got 23 oh, reposts. It's got totally. 106 likes. Yeah, he's such a nice guy, dude, for real. But just guys, take a listen to this Future House remix of Madeon's All My Friends by Nerd. I think you're really going to like it. Yeah. I'm impressed with the shit with this. This is awesome, man. That's exactly how I felt. And I've been listening to this nonstop. I mean, this really could have been like the artist that I'm watching, but also my nonstop song of the week. You know, I've been hearing it in my in my apartment nonstop because I sent it to my roommate, uh, Larry. Shout out to you. And uh, whenever he hears a song that he really likes, he'll play it nonstop 
all the time throughout the week and he's been really really stoked on this remix of all my friends so dude I can honestly see this song being picked up by some big name artists and I think people are really enjoying it I think people are sharing it uh, we've tweeted about it this is a great song and I'm really excited for nerd so nice job man seriously you, you really killed it here Oh, totally. Like, this is just a bang-up job. Love it, man. This is uh, this is big. I hope Nadion sees this. Yeah, me too, dude. I was thinking the same thing. Like, I really hope Nadion, like, runs into this remix. Guys, if you like this song, seriously, share it with your friends. Share it with uh, DJs via Twitter or something because I really want to help nerd out. He's I'm just, like, really, really passionate about what he's doing. And he's got some great mixes on his SoundCloud as well. So, you know, we're going to have a link to all the socials, his SoundCloud, in the show notes. It's going to be a really easy way for you guys to check that out and check out his sound and what he's up to. But, uh, man, that's that's it. That's it for me. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, shit, this is a great episode. Um, yeah. I love it. I can't, we're over that 20, episode 20 mark. So this is just this yeah. is awesome. I, I love how we're uh, keeping the ball rolling here. And uh, listeners, I hope. You know, you're enjoying the shows, but we're, we're very much open to any feedback, positive or negative. Um, you know, if you could, if you really are liking the show, if you could drop a, a review on Apple Podcasts, that will really help us. Or if you don't, you can even write just any type of review. We just want to know how we can make this show better and better for you. Definitely, man. Definitely. All right, listeners, we will talk to you guys next week for uh, for episode 22. Dude, isn't it, wait, real quick, before we go, isn't there like a Taylor Swift song about being 22? It's like, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. I think there is, but well, I, dude, dude, you I gotta, don't think we'll talk about that. You got to make that your on-repeat song next week. Definitely not, but okay. <laughs> All right. I'll, listeners, I'll try to convince Alec. Uh, wait, wait, real, real quick, before we go, I do want to mention, I did re-listen to that Skrillex and Troy Boy song oh. last week. Oh, and I still don't like it. Uh, like, I'm, I'm, not that I don't like it. I, my my opinion has not changed. So, you said you said I wasn't gonna listen to it, and I did. So, I got you, dude. Oh, okay. Well, at least you listened to it again. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. All right. All right, listeners. That's enough of us. Take it easy. Peace. <laughs>